0: Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. What is uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I am super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. Welcome, Haley.
1: Hello. How was your day today? It's pretty good, pretty good. The uh, school's getting ready for a big international trip, so that's the that's the buzz at the school today. So everybody's that was going focus. to uh, Paris, Paris, not me though, holding down the fort at home.
0: <laughs> and you just finished a section on fiction. So I am yeah. very intrigued. We were just talking about what we're going to do in our podcast today. And you talked about the notion of authenticity through fiction. Yes. Yeah, so so some of your thoughts about that.
1: It's really interesting. So in high school English, um, there is this reluctance to teach creative writing as it's somehow lesser than in terms of like analysis or essay writing or it's not serious writing right and so like a lot of students go their entire high school careers uh never writing a story or perhaps the last time they wrote a story was in junior high right or or middle school where we write a lot of stories we encourage kids to write stories all the time and tell stories and create stories but for some reason in high school we read stories we analyze stories but then we write nonfiction, we write essays on those stories, and we don't actually get the opportunity to create short stories. So uh, I have the luxury of, um, you know, interpreting the Ontario curriculum, which asks uh, that students learn to write for a variety of purposes, doesn't actually say essays. Um, And I have students finish our short story unit by writing a short story of their own. Um, selfishly, it's great. It's a lot more fun to mark because, uh, it's a lot more interesting than reading the same essay over and over and over again about, you know, deception and identity in 12th night, for instance. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it actually ends up being the kids that I wouldn't normally expect to do well in, in terms of like, they, they maybe struggle with nonfiction writing or, or they struggle to, to, to describe, you know, the analysis of themes and some short story, actually do remarkably well, Uh, and the kids who generally write better essays tend to struggle with it, right? So it it gives just a different opportunity to show those skills, Um, and uh, it's a really fascinating way to get to know kids through the topics that they decide to explore with a short story.
0: What does writing a fiction story do for you? I mean, it's really,
1: I mean, we love to read fiction. Um, you know, fiction is a way to learn. I always introduce my short story unit by saying like, we actually learn a lot more about what it means to be human, what it means to live in a, a society, what it means to have a that individual experience, the human experience. Uh, we learn a lot more of it through fiction, I would argue, than through any other genre. Um, and so you know, it doesn't necessarily have to, like even in, in, in you know, the most far removed from reality fiction story, fictional stories like science fiction or fantasy, ones that are exist in worlds that could never exist plausibly on planet Earth. Even in those stories, we learn so much about the human experience, about love and loss, about identity, about truth and deception, about um, death and dying and about birth and and um, and growth and coming of age and um, you know relationships and uh, war and conflict and resolution. Um, we learn a lot through these stories and we learn a lot about ourselves through studying these these situations that have likely never existed on planet Earth. Um, and it's a really way and fantastic medium to understand what it means to be human through this lens.
0: Well I just think of um well there's two angles that we could look at this with one is writing and one is reading. Mm-hmm. Right and I I just think of how many how many people in my leadership programs do when I ask them how many of you came alive through reading stories mm-hmm. fiction um how many of you that that saved your life and it's interesting, I was working with a library board on the weekend.
1: Okay. and we
0: were telling stories about what the library means for us, and how this was our place where we came uh, and found our home. It was our oasis in our in, in a community. P- people who were immigrants to this country learned English in the library. Um, the incredible the, the richness and the stories, that come from story.
1: And when you think about these, these pivotal worlds um, that are so important to us as we grow up, right? Like for me, it was Harry Potter. I'm a Harry Potter generation, right? But for many, it's, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's, you know, Judy Bloom's books. It's the Hardy Boys. It's Nancy Drew. You know, it's... Um, you know, Magic Treehouse, um, you know, it's it's these these texts that everyone can kind of think back to some world that was created from a book uh, that they immersed themselves in. And if it wasn't the book itself, it was the movie or TV adaptation of it, right? Um, and how important these worlds are, these fictional worlds for kids to learn about what it means to be an adult, what it means to fit in this world, what it means to go through the trials and tribulations of of humankind. Um, I read, uh, you know, I studied a lot of Tolkien. That's sort of my, you know, you know, this, you know, what it, you know, the Hobbit is my all time favorite book. Um, and JRL Tolkien, the, the author of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, uh, wrote an entire essay, um, about, uh, fairy tales. He calls them fairy stories, but it's essentially like, you know, fantasy, the importance of fantasy, uh, as a type of, 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 a fiction. And he says that this is one quote from it. I have claimed that escape is one of the main functions of fairy stories. And since I do not disprove of them, it is plain that I do not accept the tone of scorn and pity with which escape is now so often used. Why should a man be scorned if finding himself in a prison, he tries to get out and go home? Or if he cannot do so, he thinks and talks about other topics than jailers and prison walls. Um, so, he, you know, just even this, you know, kids love and, and adults too, right? Like there's such an importance about uh, escaping the world that you're in, diving into a world that's that's totally separate from from your reality, right? Getting lost, getting to know characters, building these relationships with these fictional characters. And then when the book's done, kind of going through a a nice, like I say a grieving process because essentially that's what it is, right? That this connection that you formed with these these characters in this world and learned about yourself and about everything else and all these truths um, has come to an end. It's come to a conclusion. Um, And that's such like a beautiful, wonderful little temporary little, you know, escape for lack of a better word, right? Uh, And how important that is.
0: So what's the difference between escaping and denying?
1: I think fiction is purely escape and not denying because the whole purpose of fiction is to create a new world for us to dive in, you know, whether it's, you know, a magical wizarding castle or, you know, a, a world of orcs and goblins or, uh, you know, uh, a story of somebody who grew up in F- Florida in the marshes, right? 50 years ago, right? Or, uh, you know, um, a man who lands on Mars and has to, and is totally isolated from himself and has to figure out how to survive, right? Any of these worlds can be escapes, yes, but they are the exact opposite of denial, right? They are accepting of uh, of uh, some sort of truth in them, some sort of universal truth about what it means to be human, Right, it, it it's it's challenging that truth. It's it's calling to, to it's calling it that truth to attention, um, and it's exploring really truly what it means to be human. And it's 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 not denying it. It's exploring it through an entirely different lens, right? So that we don't have to experience it firsthand. We can we can learn about it, reflect on it, reflect on ourselves about it through these journeys that these characters embark on.
0: I love that. and yeah. and, and yet there's no chapter that says this is the human experience in a fiction book and yet uh fiction writers understand the the good fiction writers understand the human condition more than we can imagine and we get to i'm going to say explore our authenticity Mm -hmm. with but we do it what's the difference when we do it through fiction Versus when we do it through nonfiction,
1: I think it's that explicit versus implicit thing, um, and so like both are valid, both are important, right? Like to read nonfiction, to read memoirs, right? Um, that's explicitly talking about the human condition, right? But what what fiction allows us to do uh, is to explore it implicitly, right? It's allow it allows the freedom of the reader to make whatever connections are are relevant to them at that point in time right to to so if I look at for example, The Hobbit by Tolkien and I, I say the Hobbit because it's my favorite book, right here you have a creature which they say is partially human, but hobbits aren't technically human. They are a species of man, but anyway, I won't get into the lore of middle Earth. Um, but here you have this 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 man essentially uh who grows up living in a hobbit hole, right which is this cozy little cabin built in the grass with his Hobbit friends in in the place a fictional place called the Shire. Um, and, uh, you know, a a group of dwarves, well, initially it's a wizard that comes and knocks on his door and says, you know, you've been called on an adventure. And he says, I don't want to go on this adventure. And then a bunch of dwarves show up and say, you know, you have to come and help us get get our, get our land back, get our power back. You know, we, we got to restore our, our, what it means to be dwarf. And this, this reluctant hobbits, like, I don't want to go on this adventure, but then he realizes that that is his calling. That's what he needs to do. He needs to go on this adventure. He needs to get outside of his comfort zone. So sure enough, he goes on this adventure, faces danger, faces a dragon enemies. Right. Uh, and then comes back a, a different, person hobbit right um and is reflecting on his journey throughout this whole 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 way right and so yeah sure we're never going to go fight goblins right yeah sure we're never going to go and try to trick a dragon and use riddles against a creature named Gollum. sure none of these things are true right but what we can relate to is that feeling of like reluctance about wanting to leave home or leave your comfort zone or leave what's comfortable right um the importance of people to push you outside of your comfort zone right? Um, the value of returning home after being outside of your comfort zone, right and being able to reflect on that whole journey. we can relate to any one of those parts, right. um and and every human being will go through that, right. And so I think that's that that's the power of fiction, right? is that you know, whether you grow up in you know, rural Sri Lanka, right, or if you grow up downtown Brooklyn, right or in Cochrane, alberta like i did right every everybody can find something to relate to in that story and that's i think the power of it
0: and it's it's as joseph campbell would say the hero's journey it's exactly. a call to adventure and we resist the call but we will be called in life and what yeah, do we yeah. do with that call exactly. And is it important that we understand implicitly uh what that call? what the parallel is between reading the story and our life or does it happen at a at an unconscious level that it gets integrated in that deepens our awareness without even knowing that we're aware of it
1: it's a subconscious deeper level and i think that's that's the joy of it right because as soon as we're starting to think about it and use it, it purely for a learning point right. Or, or purely from that utilitarian perspective of like, it must have a use. I must learn about myself through this. Then it's no longer serving its purpose. That's the whole point of it is an escape, right? It's a new world to enter, uh, and to think about and reflect on your own world afterwards or not just to purely get lost in this fantasy world. Right. Which also is incredibly important, you know? Um, so, or, you know, so I think that's also valid, right. Or, or, you know, I, there's this short story that I, I use quite often. Um, it's a classic, like quintessential English short story. I actually think I studied it myself in like three separate university classes and in high school. Um, and it's called The Yellow Wallpaper, um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Um, and so essentially the gist of it is it's it's written, it's partially autobiographical, but it's, it's not overtly autobiographical. And so it's this Victorian era text where this this woman, it's told from her perspective, it's told like a diary entry. Uh, This woman has a baby um, and is going through what we now recognize as postpartum depression. At the time, that did not have a name. It was melancholy. It was sadness. uh, It was feelings of not being a good mother, um, not being trusted around her baby, Uh, And so what society tells her at the time is, you know what, go, we're going to lock you up in this nursery. There are bars on the window for the children's protection. Uh, There's this really horrible, horrible wallpaper on the walls that has just lots and lots and lots of lines. Uh, And, you know, for your own good, for your mental health, you are not allowed to leave this room. We're not going to give you a book. We're not going to give you pen and paper to write because it's important that you, you get better. Right. And so as this character progresses, she starts to see women behind the wallpaper. Um, and she starts to, you know, feel the need to escape this prison essentially. Uh, and so she tears down the wallpaper and, and essentially breaks free of it at the very end. Um, and so reading the story, you could read it as a, it actually was initially, uh, a ghost story, a horror story, uh, for, for, you know, most of the story's existence, but in the seventies, um, it was reclassified as this feminist story because it it reflects, you know, the, um, the, these women of the time and and how they weren't taken seriously by by the world they were held captive by by men uh especially as as mothers uh, they were told what to do um they were patronized they were treated like children locked in this nursery right um and and so it was this liberating story of this woman breaking free by tearing down this wallpaper by causing her husband to faint right and so in that way it's a liberation story. And so it's fascinating because every time I I use this story with my students, um, most times the female students get it right away, that it's a commentary on the strict social expectations that women undergo, especially mothers, right? The strict expectations to, you know, they're not allowed their expression, you know, the pen and paper being taken away from her. They're not allowed to express themselves. They're not allowed autonomy. They're being told what to do. There are literal bars uh, in these, in these, this, this role that they're they're forced to play. Um, and the only way that they can get out of it is by tearing down this delicate ornate wallpaper, you know, expectations of beauty, yada, yada, right? And to liberate themselves. Girls, for the most part, these girls get it. Right, I studied it in, in feminist classes, and feminist literature classes, and first year English classes, and ghost in, in horror classes about ghost, ghost stories in myth. Um, and so, for the most part, girls tend to get it. And again, I'm generalizing, but what's fascinating is for the most part, people who identify as women they get it. Uh, however, what's really interesting is most times when I teach it, uh, the boys in my class um, take it for, as a mental health perspective. So they take this story and they see it as the confines that are put on mental health or people who face depression melancholia what have you right as that is the social that, that is the social expectation right and that is those are the bars that are put on people who are struggling with mental health conditions and so you know I asked my class this like why is it that you know girls understand the feminist perspective of it but boys um tend to focus on the mental health perspective of it uh, and I had one bright student in my class who who raised her hand and said you know what I think it's because that's what we relate to right girls understand the gender expectations the roles the strict the strict roles that they have to play. Whereas boys see it through the, you know, the still the existing stigma of mental health about not being able to ask for help about being stuck in a room if they're for, if they have depression, like, you know, the metaphoric and literal, um, weight of the, or of the, or of, I guess of the locked door in their room and not being able to get out of bed and, and things like that. Right, so really fascinating, hey. So, but that is all. All of these discussions and those interpretations come from studying this this text from the 1800s about a woman with postpartum depression who tears wallpaper off her wall and makes her husband faint, right?
0: That is amazing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So it connects us to something deeper. I think of how much your mother reads; she'll get through Mm -hmm. three or four books a week, and they're all fiction. and the depth of her understanding of the human condition and yet she would never have any interest in teaching a course on the on the condition of on the human condition but she just intuitively it's like in her body she Mm -hmm. gets it from the experience of reading these magnificent stories of authors who understand the human condition and convey it through narrative
1: yes right? And there's no better way to understand a person's condition, like you just said, right, by reading their words, right? And that's why there is a, you know, I really have to catch myself, right, as a a cisgender white teacher, right, to really focus on having my students study voices from around the globe from different perspectives that also reflect the students in my class. So it is important that we look at, um, you know, Uh, Indian literature, like from India, we have a lot of Indian students at our school. um, So it's really important that we find works that are written by Indian authors. Um, It's really important that we find female authors. Uh, It's really important that we look at, um, you know, people of color, right, indigenous stories, um, black stories. Right? These are important stories that we need to look at so that those students feel heard when they are reading those stories, right? Immigrant stories,, uh, stories written out of poverty, right? It's really important that kids can see some of themselves reflected in those work, even if it is an entire work of fiction or sorry of of fantasy, for example, right? It's important that they see themselves in in those stories or or in those writers, right? and to be able to explore because for so long, the fiction that we've studied, Right. Albeit it's good fiction. Like I do love Tolkien, right? But he is a white male, and that tends to be the type of fiction we study. Right. And so it's a really important way. If we're learning about the human condition, right, it's important that we also look at the diversity of stories that are out there and which are the ones that we always gravitate to and which are the ones that we should be gravitating to.
0: And and by reading something that's unfamiliar to us, that's foreign to us, that mm-hmm. pushes us outside of our familiar, comfortable paradigm it helps us gain an understanding of ourselves and the diversity of ourselves it expands that diversity and it expands our capacity to relate to other diversity absolutely and appreciate another's diversity so it's good that we that you we can push ourselves beyond what's comfortable
1: Mm mm-hmm right? And it's just, it's going to, like, I look at, for example, The Kite Runner, right? Which is a, a stunning book written by Khaled Hosseini, who is an Afghan or um, Afghan American writer. Uh, and it's not, I mean, it's, it's partially, I guess, autobiographical in that he grew up during that time in Afghanistan um, during, you know, the, the beginnings of the Taliban rule and, and through the, um the class and, and racial conflict that happened there right um especially from the eyes of a child, um, but that is a world that I never would have you know had any any rec- realization of or uh, you know to be able to understand that or or and I I do not understand it by any means but to get a little window of it through this book right was a hugely important moment for me in high school right and and so to be able to you know see, see these characters um and to explore that that world event for example right is 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 incredibly important to read to read that kind of work
0: And you gave me born a crime mm-hmm. and understanding the world trevor, of, noah. trevor noah understanding the world of uh south africa
1: and apartheid yeah yeah right and that one i mean admittedly that one is his that is his memoir but you know what i mean like it's still it's written like a story it's written Creatively, it's written descriptively, right? And it's it's it tells the story of him growing up, right? And that's the importance of that. So it's really important that we take a look at that.
0: So this is about reading story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and uh enriching our lives and deepening our lives through fiction. What about writing our story? Exactly,
1: exactly the same, right? And so by writing stories, um it's a it's a way of like it's so fascinating. I I love teaching creative writing. It's one of my favorite favorite things to teach in terms of 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 English teaching English. I love teaching creative writing um and I so I, I do a lot of research about how to teach creative writing and and you know advice for writing and things like that. And there are two schools of thought that are completely contradictory and I find it fascinating. There's the school of thought that says write what you know right write the world that you know write the exploration of what you know then there's a competing school of thought that says write what you don't know right and so obviously that does not mean you know tell the story of you know somebody with a disability if you are an able-bodied person no obviously that's not what it's saying right but it is saying like explore a world that you don't know right to better understand it right and so so either of those can be really valuable um i was helping a student uh she just spent some time in the hospital um quite a while. Uh, And for her, it was a really cathartic moment to write a story from one of the security guard's perspectives at the hospital. Um, And so to write this fiction story about that, that was really, really cathartic for her. um, And to be able to, um, I think, kind of grapple with and and understand that that situation that she was in. And and so she was able to write this really interesting, creative work about, about an entirely new perspective. Um, I had a student who, uh, worked as a dishwasher and also kind of like, you know, as much of an aide as you can be in high school, uh, in a memory ward in long-term care. And his main character was a patient there. Um, you know, kind of cobbled together from a bunch of patients that he worked with. And so he wrote about what it could be like, um, for somebody in that ward, trying to escape and trying to, to recollect all of her memories, like, like not recollect, but also re- collect together all of her memories. Um I had it so so that was an important thing for him to be able to you know um you know gain like um empathize I guess with with somebody in memory ward. I had another student uh, last semester uh who himself has struggled with with some you know suicidal thoughts and things like that. Uh and he wrote about uh the world of the in between. So if if the not the Grim Reaper, but if who would the character be that brings people after they pass away to the next world? Who is that character, right? And so we wrote it from that character's perspective and all of these different people that he encounters after they've died as he as he ferries them uh, to the next world. And uh, and this character all of a sudden uh, start or one day ferries uh, somebody who has died by suicide um, and has this conversation with them about um, about the world that they left behind and they don't want to go back. Right. Whereas everybody else wanted to go back, that they died too early, right? People in, in war or uh and you know, or in accidents, you know, didn't want to die and they want to return back to the world of the living, but this character didn't. Um, and so he explored that through this creative writing. And so it can be such a, a fascinating way to get to know these students better. It can be a really cathartic experience for them um, to be able to, you know, get all of these feelings, especially for teenagers, right? There's a lot of feelings going on in their head, right? And so for them to. Sometimes it's a lot harder for them to just, you know, write these feelings out on paper, like to journal, that can be really hard for some kids, right? But to sort of take one step further removed of that, right, and to explore it fictitiously, right? It's not me writing, for example, it's it's not me experiencing this. It's somebody else experiencing the same thing I did, right. And so it can be a way for them to to understand what they're going through a little bit better, right. One of them, I had a student too, who wrote about a school shooting. He himself has never been a victim of a school shooting by any means, or even experienced a school shooting. Right. But he's hearing like on the media constantly, especially in the States, right. Of all of these school shootings that are happening. And it's, it was a, it's a, it's a source of fear. It's, it's a, You know and and you know it's when you're seeing that all the time as a high school student that can be quite scary right even though he's never experienced one thankfully himself right he he chose to explore that like what could that be like right and he got that fear out of his head and onto paper right so it can be quite productive and quite healing um and so you know and it's it as they so as they write this it can be a way of of helping them understand something in their life a little bit better um and it also is a way through the way that they tell the story of understanding people better, right? And so, you know, when I'm helping the student write about the security guard in the hospital, for instance, right? It's thinking, okay, what would the security guard actually say? What is realistic for the security guard to say here? What is realistic for them to actually do, right? What is a getting into the shoes of that character, right? What actually makes sense for this story? So it's an ultimate example in empathy, in, in realism, in truth, right? And so it can be A really really important experience for students to to explore and for everybody to explore writing fiction
0: but you know it's it's a little bit like writing is a little bit like artwork Mm -hmm. it's a work of art and we've been conditioned to to tell ourselves that art is supposed to be look a certain way that writing is supposed to look a certain way Mm -hmm. and i remember my good friend the renowned uh, canadian artist um, Murray Phillips used to say, draw every day, just sit with a pad of paper. He bought me a pad of paper and he bought me a, a a drawing pen. And and I would just sit for 10 minutes. It was just like writing in your journal. No one will see it, but you just write. And I, I suspect you can do the same thing with with uh, writing. You certainly writing in a journal, but mm-hmm. you could also write stories not necessarily about things you know about.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a student once. Write a love story about how did it work? It was a number of years back. It was a love story about two pieces of toast. What was it? It started with yeah, so that they were born together in the loaf of bread, and then they were separated when they were sliced. Uh, but then they spent their whole life together, side by side, and then all of a sudden it came time that one of them was removed for the piece of toast, and the other one longed for that piece of toast, and longed for it, and longed for it, and longed for its for its soulmate. And then eventually in the end was like reunited with the soulmate. Cause the other person decided they wanted an extra piece of toast. And so they put it in there and they were reunited in the end or whatever. I forget this general gist of it. Right. But like, like what, <laughs> right. But how, what a fascinating way, right. To be able to like, you know, take the perspective of a totally inanimate thing. Imagine a possibility in which maybe, you know, like understanding love and loss and grief and separation, Right and and change right through this totally, I mean, arguably inane, but also very deep and profound perspective, right? And so you know, even Love through that. something like that, right? Like it can be incredibly powerful. So it doesn't it, yeah, like
0: it, it doesn't have to be profound, and yet the simple is the profound.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Even like we were talking about a few sessions ago about the mediocre yeah. can become magnificent. Yeah. it's just all on your viewpoint. Exactly. Haley, what have I not asked you about authenticity and fiction that you want to share with our listeners?
1: What is your reluctance to read fiction, Dad? Because I know you got into it a little bit with your surgery, but what is your reluctance? Uh, why do you find why do you think you find fiction so hard to write and read?
0: I for the very reasons why we've that we've talked today, I feel like I'm gonna, I'm going to, I have all these non-fiction books on my bookshelf that are speaking to me to say read me um and i just need to step into the discomfort of fiction and realize that i will i'm afraid that i'm not going to learn what i learn in non-fiction because it won't be explicit enough i think that's my biggest fear i could see it and yet i've never been let down when i read You know, I've just finished this series, uh, Frederick Bachman's series, Bear um, Town, Bearstown, and and the human and what I've learned about authenticity by just reading that series. And I, you gave me a book at Christmas, "Strangers to Ourselves." It's a dark book, but is is it uh, Rachel Avia?
1: I think so. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, and her just short stories about people struggling with mental illness Mm -hmm. and it was a beautiful book so i the bottom line is it's it's just not something that i have been familiar uh, comfortable with or familiar with and i'm going to keep pushing part of my agenda for doing this podcast with you today is to continue to uh, go past my discomfort and pick up those works of fiction and realize in fact nonfiction books are frankly starting to bore me and so you know you you hear one theory after another theory after another theory and um it gets old and when you've been around as long as i have i want to i want a new depth in understanding the human condition so this is inspiring to me
1: and if nothing else you get a nice little escape (laughs) right i think because that's the other thing too i think with fiction is that it you know, doesn't always have to speak some sort of universal truth, right? Sometimes it's just about two pieces of bread that are in love, <laughs> you know, right? Well, That's and fine. That,
0: that is also, I think you've hit the nail on the head for my reluctance, because it allows me to just find joy in life. Yeah. And with my Protestant work ethic, um, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a reluctance, to be what i would label as unproductive by simply getting into a story i can justify reading a non-fiction book because i'm learning something that's helping me be productive but uh i i have a hard time allowing myself simply to relax with a novel but i'm getting there it's 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 happening
1: good and even if it's just like brain candy i always joke with uh one of my colleagues reads a lot of um just kind of like fluffy, sometimes smut a little bit sometimes. Um, But she calls it brain candy, right? It's not actually for her to get just lost in just like some sort of silly fiction, right? Even if it's poorly written, you know, whatever. It's an escape. It's brain candy, right? Candy is delicious. Too much of it is not good. It'll fry your brain. But it's a really important thing for our soul, right? And so brain candy can also be that way too, right? Goofy fiction. That's, you know, pop fiction, pulp fiction, right? Like those kind of things. Why not? Rock it, you know.
0: So before we get off this episode, do you want to give our listeners maybe a half a dozen books that you love, that oh you gosh. really uh, that you want to share? For sure. Oh about? my
1: gosh, my favorite question. Uh, so, The Hobbit. If people haven't read that yet, it's a classic. Um, Khaled Hosseini's The Kite Runner is is stunning. It's devastating. It's a beautiful work of art. Um, similarly, A Thousand Splendid Sons, also by Khaled Hosseini. Um, instead of focusing on on young boys, that one focuses on the experience of women in Afghanistan. Another stunning book, uh, Bear Town by Khaled Hosseini or by uh, by Frederick Bachman is always great in that series. Uh, Anxious People by Frederick Bachman is another good one. Um, I finished a book called The Break, um, by Catherine Vermette, uh, who is a Métis, a Canadian Métis woman. Again, that one's quite devastating, but, uh, a stunning, stunning work, stunning work by an indigenous Canadian woman. Uh, which other ones have I read lately? Um, I love, um, uh, 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 Cloud Cuckoo Land, uh, which is, you guys got me that one for Christmas last year um, by, uh, Anthony Doerr, uh, as well as, um, all the light we cannot see by Anthony Doerr, Um, and I just finished the nickel boys, um, by the nickel boys. I'm just going to get the author right. Uh, nickel boys is by Colson Whitehead. Um, so I, I mean, admittedly all of these books that I admitted are, are, that I, I mentioned are, um, quite dark, but Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, this is another one that just came out last year that I'm, I'm really liking. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through it right now. Uh, that one's a little bit more feel good than these other ones. Some of these are pretty devastating, but tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow is just about two friends, um, and their 30 year relationship and they develop a video game together and it's about their friendship. So that one's a beautiful one too. So those are the ones that I'm, that I, I, I love. So.
0: Well, this is amazing. Thank you for taking this time and for, uh, continuing to evolve me out of my comfort zone with uh, nonfiction books.
1: <laughs> and I'm always happy to give more book recommendations. It's always my favorite when my students ask me for book recommendations. and I'm like, oh, what do I have here today?
0: <laughs> well, let's conclude with what we're grateful for. I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for the, <laughs> I just I, am enriched by listening to stories about stories.
1: I'll give you lots of short fiction, Dad, too, even short stories. Um, short stories I find are you know, even the the most brief of stories can, can hold some really powerful truth. So I can give you some short stories too. Um, I am grateful for, you know, you like just any opportunity for me to geek out over books. (laughs) Um, I love, I love, I love, I love creative fiction. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm grateful too, for my, you know, students for exploring that and and for indulging my, you know, (laughs) self-centered, you know, wanting to market (laughs) is a lot, a lot more fun than essays. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just grateful where I, I have the opportunity where I get to, you know, explore this with kids, right. And explore this writing process and, and help them, you know, fall in love with reading all over again and writing. Cause we, we lose that after junior high.
0: Is it different? Do you think to listen to it on audible versus all sitting the with the real book?
1: No, all the same. It's still a story. All the same. I usually have like a physical book and an audio book going at the same time.
0: I like with nonfiction. I like a real book to sit down. I can underline it. I, I tab the pages. You know they're all ear eared and and so. Um, but uh, with a story, I I I can certainly listen to a a good story.
1: Yeah, as audio well as um, I can read it. One that you could explore that is is called the Midnight Library. Um, that's a neat one. That's oh, a you good audio book too. Your
0: mom was telling me about that.
1: You'd like that one.
0: Yeah. Well. Thus, we end another episode. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and stay real.